0: THE GHOST ON THE Dyke. Somehow, Faith, Carl, and Una could not shake off the hold which the story of Henry Warren's ghost had taken upon their imaginations. They had never believed in ghosts, ghost tales they had heard a plenty. Mary Vance had told some far more blood-curdling than this. But those tales were all of places and people and spooks, far away and unknown." After the first half-awful, half-pleasant thrill of awe and terror, they thought of them no more. But this story came home to them. The old Bailey garden was almost at their very door, almost in their beloved Rainbow Valley. They had passed and repassed it constantly. They had hunted for flowers in it. They had made shortcuts through it when they wished to go straight from the village to the valley. But never again— After the night when Mary Vance told them its gruesome tale, they would not have gone through or near it on pain of death. Death! What was death compared to the unearthly possibility of falling into the clutches of Henry Warren's groveling ghost? One warm July evening, the three of them were sitting under the tree-lovers, feeling a little lonely. Nobody else had come near the valley that evening. Jem Blythe was away in Charlottetown, "'writing on his entrance examinations. "'Jerry and Walter Blythe "'were off for a sail on the harbour "'with old Captain Crawford. "'Nan and Di and Rilla and Shirley "'had gone down the harbour road "'to visit Kenneth and Persis Ford, "'who had come with their parents "'for a flying visit "'to the little old house of dreams. "'Nan had asked Faith to go with them, "'but Faith had declined. "'She would never have admitted it but she felt a little secret jealousy of Persis Ford, concerning whose wonderful beauty and city glamour she had heard a great deal. No, she wasn't going to go down there and play second fiddle to anybody. She and Una took their story books to Rainbow Valley and read, while Carl investigated bugs along the banks of the brook, and all three were happy until they suddenly realized that it was twilight, "'and that the old Bailey Garden was uncomfortably nearby. "'Carl came and sat down close to the girls. "'They all wished they had gone home a little sooner, "'but nobody said anything. "'Great, velvety, purple clouds heaped up in the west "'and spread over the valley. "'There was no wind, and everything was suddenly, "'strangely, dreadfully still. "'The marsh was full of thousands of fireflies.' Surely some fairy parliament was being convened that night. Altogether, Rainbow Valley was not a canny place just then. Faith looked fearfully up the valley to the old Bailey Garden. Then, if anybody's blood ever did freeze, Faith Meredith's certainly froze at that moment. The eyes of Carl and Una followed her entranced gaze, and chills began gallopating up and down their spines also. "'For there, under the big tamarack tree, "'on the tumble-down, grass-grown dyke of the Bailey Garden, "'was something white, shapelessly white in the gathering gloom. "'The three Merediths sat and gazed, as if turned to stone. "'It's—it's the calf,' whispered Una at last. "'It's too big for the calf,' whispered Faith. "'Her mouth and lips were so dry she could hardly articulate the words.' Suddenly, Carl gasped, It's coming here! The girls gave one last agonized glance. Yes, it was creeping down over the dike, as no calf ever did or could creep. Reason fled before sudden, overmastering panic. For the moment, every one of the trio was firmly convinced that what they saw was Henry Warren's ghost. Carl sprang to his feet and bolted blindly. With a simultaneous shriek, the girls followed him. Like mad creatures, they tore up the hill, across the road, and into the manse. They had left Aunt Martha sewing in the kitchen. She was not there. They rushed to the study. It was dark and tenantless. As with one impulse, they swung around and made for Ingleside, but not across Rainbow Valley. Down the hill and through the Glen Street, they flew on the wings of their wild terror, "'Carl in the lead, Una bringing up the rear. "'Nobody tried to stop them, "'though everybody who saw them wondered "'what fresh devilment those manse youngsters were up to now. "'But at the gate of Ingleside they ran into Rosemary West, "'who had just been in for a moment to return some borrowed books. "'She saw their ghastly faces and staring eyes. "'She realized that their poor little souls "'were wrung with some awful and real fear.' "'whatever its cause.' "'She caught Carl with one arm and Faith with the other. "'Una stumbled against her and held on desperately. "'Children, dear, what has happened?' she said. "'What has frightened you?' "'Henry Warren's ghost,' answered Carl, through his chattering teeth. "'Henry Warren's ghost?' said amazed Rosemary, "'who had never heard the story. "'Yes,' sobbed Faith hysterically. "'It's there, on the Bailey Dyke.' We saw it, and it started to chase us." Rosemary herded the three distracted creatures to the Ingleside veranda. Gilbert and Anne were both away, having also gone to the House of Dreams, but Susan appeared in the doorway, gaunt and practical and unghostlike. "What is all this rumpus about?" she inquired. Again the children gasped out their awful tale, while Rosemary held them close to her. And soothed them with wordless comfort. Likely it was an owl, said Susan, unstirred. An owl! The Meredith children never had any opinion of Susan's intelligence after that. It was bigger than a million owls, said Carl, sobbing. Oh, how ashamed Carl was of that sobbing in the after days. And it-it grovelled, just as Mary said, and it was crawling down over the dike to get at us. Do owls crawl? "'Rosemary looked at Susan. "'They must have seen something to frighten them so. "'I will go and see,' said Susan coolly. "'Now, children, calm yourselves. "'Whatever you have seen, it was not a ghost. "'As for poor Henry Warren, I feel sure he would be only too glad "'to rest quietly in his peaceful grave once he got there. "'No fear of him venturing back, and that you may tie to. "'If you can make them see reason, Miss West,' "'I will find out the truth of the matter.' "'Susan departed for Rainbow Valley, "'valiantly grasping a pitchfork, "'which she found leaning against the back fence, "'where the doctor had been working in his little hayfield. "'A pitchfork might not be of much use against haunts, "'but it was a comforting sort of weapon. "'There was nothing to be seen in Rainbow Valley "'when Susan reached it. "'No white visitants appeared to be lurking "'in the shadowy, tangled old Bailey garden.' Susan marched boldly through it and beyond it, and rapped with her pitchfork on the door of the little cottage on the other side, where mrs Stimson lived with her two daughters. Back at Ingleside Rosemary had succeeded in calming the children. They still sobbed a little from shock, but they were beginning to feel a lurking and salutary suspicion that they had made dreadful geese of themselves. This suspicion became a certainty. "'when Susan finally returned. "'I have found out what your ghost was,' she said, "'with a grim smile, sitting down on a rocker and fanning herself. "'Old Mrs. Stimson has had a pair of factory cotton sheets "'bleaching in the Bailey Garden for a week. "'She spread them on the dyke under the tamarack tree "'because the grass was clean and short there. "'This evening she went out to take them in.' She had her knitting in her hands, so she flung the sheets over her shoulders by way of carrying them, and then she must have dropped one of her needles, and find it she could not, and has not yet. But she went down on her knees and crept about to hunt for it, and she was at that when she heard awful yells down in the valley, and saw the three children tearing up the hill past her. She thought they had been bit by something, and it gave her poor old heart such a turn that she could not move or speak. "'but just crouched there till they disappeared. "'Then she staggered back home, "'and they have been applying stimulants to her ever since, "'and her heart is in a terrible condition, "'and she says she will not get over this fright all summer. "'The Merediths sat, crimson with a shame "'that even Rosemary's understanding sympathy could not remove. "'They sneaked off home, met Jerry at the man's gate, "'and made remorseful confession. "'A session of the Good Conduct Club,' was arranged for next morning. "'Wasn't Miss West sweet to us to-night?' whispered Faith in bed. "'Yes,' admitted Una. "'It is such a pity it changes people so much to be made stepmothers.' "'I don't believe it does,' said Faith loyally. End of chapter 30